20 and 21, and then we're going to jump over to chapter 32. Genesis is the first book of your Bible. So if you've gone past Exodus, you've passed it. All right, just go right back to the front. And it reads like this, Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10. We'll read, uh, yes. Jacob. Sorry, I'm looking at verse 19, not verse not verse 10, verse 19. And he called the name of the place Bethel. However, previously the name of the place had been Luz. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me, I will surely give the tenth to you. Now, Genesis chapter 32, and we'll begin at verse 24. Ahora el capítulo 32 de Génesis y el verso 24. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, and said, please let me know your name. But he said, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege of being in your house. Uh, we're so blessed by your presence tonight. We ask that you would speak to us by your word. I ask that you would speak to every person here tonight uh, in the place of their need. And that can only be done by the help of the Holy Spirit. I ask you to anoint my lips of clay to teach and anoint this congregation to hear the word of God. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. Now, I, wanna, uh, I read from uh, chapter 28 because I want you to get a, a big picture now. We've been looking at the story of Jacob uh, as he has been in uh, Laban's house. Hemos estado estudiando la historia de Jacob mientras que él está en la casa de Laban. But last week we saw that God called him home. He called him to go back to the promised land. La semana pasada vimos como Dios llamó a Jacob regresarse a la tierra prometida. Now, uh, the reason that I wanted you to notice these two things is because uh, the man has changed. Uh, of course, 21 years will change anybody. But uh, the reality is that Time itself can't really change a man's heart. God alone can do that. Uh, hemos leído dos porciones porque yo quiero que vea usted los cambios que han, uh, han tomado lugar en la vida de Jacob. Y pudiéramos decir que 21 años puede cambiar a, a todos. Pero la realidad es que 
Solo Dios puede cambiar el corazón del hombre. Some of you were converted uh, in your 40s. That meant that you went 40 years without a changed heart. Now you went through a whole lot of changes, but what mattered didn't change. And so it's really that change that we see in Jacob that is the, the fact or the sign of the fact that God has been transforming this man from the natural carnal man into a spiritual man. Y aquí vemos que Dios ha estado transformando a Jacob de un hombre natural y carnal a un hombre espiritual. How many of you want to be a spiritual man? ¿Cuántos quieren ser el hombre espiritual? Well, Jacob becomes that as he walks with the Lord. Jacob se convierte en el hombre espiritual mientras él camina con Dios. Now, I'll set the scene for you. In chapter 28, he's leaving his father's house. En el capítulo 28, lo vemos salir de la casa de su padre. He's running from his brother Esau. Él está corriendo de su hermano Esaú, uh, who told him that as soon as daddy died, he was going to kill him. Okay. Su hermano le había dicho que tan presto uh, muriere Isaac, su padre, que él lo iba a matar. And so, for 21 years, he's been thinking about this fact. Uh, por unos 21 años ahora, él ha estado pensando en eso. And, and of course, during that time, he leaves the promised land. He goes and he gets married and so on. But, but just before he leaves the promised land, antes de salir de la tierra prometida, the Lord appears to him in a dream. Now, two things happen. First of all, we saw that the sun set on Jacob. Uh, dos cosas ocurren ahí. Primero vemos que el sol se pone sobre Jacob. This happened in chapter 28. If you read Genesis through from 28 through 32, you have no reference to daylight again until chapter 32. Uh, and that, that's the Holy Spirit's way of telling us that Jacob is in a spiritual wilderness. He's in a spiritual night. A 21-year-long night. Jacob está en una época de noche espiritual. Se pone el sol en el capítulo 28 y el sol no es mencionado de nuevo hasta el capítulo 32. Entonces, él pasa por estos 21, 21 años de noche. But then the second thing that happens is that God tells Jacob, I'm going to bless you. Dios le dice a Jacob, yo te voy a bendecir Y uh, te voy a prosperar y vas a hacer, uh, voy a estar contigo hasta que yo haya hecho todo lo que te prometí. God told Jacob, I'm not going to let you go until I have done everything that I promised you. Now you imagine Jacob has just had a dream in which he saw Jesus Christ revealed standing atop of this ladder. En ese sueño, Jacob vio a Jesús revelado, parado. Uh, en, en, encima de una escalera he saw angels ascending and descending el vio ángeles subiendo y bajando and then when he woke up he realized and he said Yahweh was in this place cuando él uh, despertó él dijo Jehová estuvo en este lugar but then when we read his vow in chapter 28 uh, which we read uh, just to you right there in uh, verse 20, he just had this miraculous encounter with God. But in chapter 28, he says, if. Everybody say, if. Have you ever said, if? Have you ever said, if, to God? I mean, the, the man just saw Jesus standing in the glorious heaven atop the ladder, ascending and descending with angels, and 
He, he realizes Yahweh was in this place, not some abstract form of God, but Yahweh was in this place. And then he opens his mouth and he says, if you bless me, if you give me food, if you give me clothes to wear, and if you bring me back to this land, my father's land, then you will be my God. Now, you have to really think about that because it's a carnal prayer. If then, now I asked you if you ever said then, uh, have you ever said if, but have you ever said if then? Lord, if you do this, then I'll do that. And Jacob is negotiating with God. Jacob acaba de tener esa revelación increíble y luego le dice al Señor, si tú me ayudas, si tú me bendices, si tú me das ropa, si tú me das comida y si tú me regresas a esta tierra, entonces serás mi Dios. That's why up until that point, the references in the book of Genesis are the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. Jacob doesn't have a God yet. Because he has not come to know Yahweh for himself. Jacob, hasta ese momento, cuando leemos en Génesis, dice el Dios de Isaac, o perdón, el Dios de Abraham, el Dios de Isaac. No dice nada del Dios de Jacob, porque él no ha llegado a tener un Dios. Él dice, si tú me bendices, serás mi Dios. And the fact is this, God is God whether or not Jacob admits it or agrees to it or concedes to it. Say amen, somebody. La realidad es que Dios es Dios aunque Jacob quiera o no quiera o diga o no diga. Even if Jacob never affirms the deity of God, the Lord is God. Jehová es Dios. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Because, uh, you know, our world thinks that if I just ignore God, that he'll go away, that he won't be God, that he won't be in control. Guess what? God has been in control long before you were even on this planet. And long after you're a speck of dust that gets blown away by history, God will still be God. Somebody say, the Lord, he is God. Say it again. The Lord, he is God. One more time. The Lord, he is God. You realize how important that is, but the carnal man thinks, I've got a whole lot of control in this. I can negotiate with God. Now, 21 years have passed, and when we go to chapter 32, look at chapter 32 and verse 9. Ahora llegamos al capítulo 32, 21 años han pasado, el verso 9. Now, this is important because Jacob is going home. And on his way home, he hears that Esau is coming to meet him. What did Esau say he was going to do with him? Going to kill him. Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. Esaú viene a encontrarse con Jacob con 400 hombres. Now, this uh, is not going to end well for Jacob. From Jacob's perspective. Esto no va a terminar bien para Jacob. Él tiene un hermano que lo quiere matar y su hermano tiene 400 soldados. He's got... 400 warriors with him, and Jacob has uh, a bunch of sheep and goats, a whole bunch of sheep and goats. They're all striped and, and spotted like we saw last week, right? Uh, but uh, he also has four, he has two wives, two concubines, uh, 11 children, and he is going to go home now because God said it's time for you to go back to the promised land. But he is about to face his brother Esau. 
And then we read in verse 9 that Jacob prays again. Now, this is the first prayer we see since chapter 28. Now, I'm sure Jacob prayed in between there, but this is the first recorded prayer since chapter uh, 28. Why, that, why is that? The Holy Spirit wants us to see the difference between the old Jacob and Israel. Between the old man and the new man. Between the carnal man and the spiritual man. Aquí vemos a Jacob orar en el verso 9 del capítulo 32. Es la primera oración desde el capítulo 28. Entonces aquí el Espíritu Santo quiere que hagamos una comparación. Que veamos el, el hombre viejo y el hombre nuevo. Y cómo es la diferencia. Now, I'm teaching you how to study the Bible right here, okay? When you study the Bible, don't just read it. But read it again, and then read it some more. And notice patterns. There's a prayer here. There's a prayer here. What's the difference? Listen, the old prayer started with if. Everybody say if. This prayer, verse 9, Jacob said, oh God. Do you notice a difference? Ahora Jacob comienza a orar y dice, oh Señor. He is come a long way from if then he is now in a pleading relationship with God have you ever prayed oh God come on have any of you ever prayed oh God oh God listen he says oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac oh Lord who said to me return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant, for that, um, for with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, for the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he will come and attack me, and the mother's with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you, and I will make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. Now, I want you to notice that we have Jacob praying more like a spiritual man. He's not entirely there yet, all right? But he's praying more like a spiritual man. Aquí vemos que Jacob está orando más como un hombre espiritual. Ya no es Si tú haces esto, yo haré esto. Ahora él viene a Dios con completa uh, dependencia. He's coming to God with complete dependence. And look at his prayer. First of all, he prays on account of his heritage. He says, you are the God of Abraham and you are the God of Isaac. Listen, your grandpa and your great-grandpa cannot save you, all right? But... It's a good place to start if you have a godly heritage. Say amen, somebody. If you have a, a godly uh, foundation, you have a long, you have a big step up in your life. And so it, it's not enough to get Jacob out of trouble, but it is the starting place for him to acknowledge, you are the God of my family. You are the God who has been with our uh, ancestors for uh, these three generations. Then he prays on account of the promises of God. So, first of all, I want, I want to ask you, do you know your Christian heritage? Do you know your godly heritage? You say, Pastor, I don't have a godly heritage. I'm the first person in my family to be converted. Before me, they're all heathens. 
All right, then guess what? Your godly heritage uh, begins in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. Those are your ancestors. Those are your, your uh, grandparents. They are your spiritual heritage. And the faith of Abraham is your faith. And the faith of Isaac is your faith. Come on, somebody. And the faith of Jacob is your faith. So you, you have to know that I have a long bloodline of faith. And then... Second question, do you know God's promises to you? Do you know what God has promised you? Usted sabe las promesas de Dios en su vida. Jacob viene y dice, Señor, usted me dijo, tú me dijiste que yo regresara a la tierra de mi, de mi padre y que me ibas a prosperar. He said, Lord, you told me to return to my father's house. And that you would uh, prosper me. He is coming to God on the basis of God's word. Listen, guys, there is no prayer more effective than the word of God. No hay oración más eficaz y efectiva que la oración basada en la palabra de Dios. That's why I tell you when you pray, when you plan, when you, when you uh, make that drawing or that uh, journal about where, where you think God's taking you, put the word of God on it. Because God is not uh, committed or he is not bound to your word or my word. He is not bound to the president of the United States word. God is bound to his own word. And when you come to God on the basis of his word, you're coming with a powerful authority. Say amen, somebody. Do you know what God has promised you? Do you know God's word to you? The more of the word you know, the more effective your prayers are going to be. Entre más usted conozca la palabra, más efectiva va a ser su oración. So you need to be memorizing scripture. Write it down. Uh, commit it to your heart because your prayers are empowered when you come before God saying, Lord, this is what you say. This is what you promised. This is what you have taught me to believe. Number three, he comes to God and prays with a testimony. Él viene a Dios y ora con una con un testimonio. He says, God, when I crossed the Jordan, the, uh, the, the, the river, and left the promised land, the only thing I had with me was my staff. But when I'm coming back, I have my staff, and I have two wives and two concubines and 11 children and a whole bunch of sheep and, and cattle and goats. Does that sound like a blessed man? I mean, you, you realize that, he, number one, he didn't lose what he had. How many of you would just like to not lose what you have? Somebody say amen. God wants you to get ahead. Getting ahead means I keep what I have and I add to it. Say amen, somebody. So God says to Jacob, or Jacob says to God, God, you've let me keep what I had, but you also grew what I had. You made me greater. You made me stronger. Now, if you, if you study the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that in the end of Jacob's life, he blessed his sons while leaning on his staff. And in the old, in the old covenant uh, tradition, when a man uh, referred to his staff, it, it was referring to the fact that the men of Israel would carve uh, generally, and this was not just Israelites, but uh, in the ancient world, they would carve their family history into their staff. And significant moments 
uh, with God were carved into that staff. So Jacob is saying, Lord, I left the promised land. All I had in my hand was your promise. All I had in my hand was what you told me you were going to do. That's the staff. That's what the staff represents. It represents the words of God to Jacob. But now I've come back with your promises fulfilled in my life. Come on, somebody. How many of you would like to be able to give a testimony like that and say, Lord, when I started this journey, I had nothing but your word, nothing but a stitch in a prayer. But look at me now. Look what you've done in my life. Say amen, somebody, if that's you. Say amen. amen. He's, he's got what he had and some, a whole lot more of some because of the blessing of God. So he's coming to God and saying, God, if you did all of this, you can take care of Esau. He's coming to God on the basis of his testimony. Literally, he's saying, Lord, you didn't give me all this to lose it. You didn't bring me this far so that I could die at the hands of Esau and have my wives and children scattered on the, uh, the desert floor. Say amen, somebody. God didn't bring you as far as you've come just to abandon you on the road. He didn't bring you this far through hell and high water and through every kind of storm and every kind of opposition and every kind of strife. He didn't bring you through those narrow places just to come over here and die in the wilderness. Say amen, somebody. God has a plan for your life, and it's not all done yet. So Jacob is saying, Lord, look at all you've given me. I, I know that you didn't give it to me to lose it right here at the hands of my brother. And then he asks God, and he says, Lord, deliver me. Deliver me from Esau. And he, he's stating two reasons, or two things. First of all, he's specific. He says, Esau, because I'm afraid. And notice the man has changed. He's become honest with God. He's saying, Lord, my problem is I'm afraid. I'm looking at Esau and his 400 men, and I'm afraid. And I'm looking at his promise to kill me, and I'm afraid. I need you to deliver me. Do you realize that God wants to hear honest, specific prayers? Listen, we need, we need to be honest with God. God's not looking for us to be flowery in our prayers, to use big words, fancy speeches. God doesn't look for long prayers. God doesn't look for eloquent prayers. God doesn't look for you and I to be uh, real, real uh, flowing in our speech. He's looking for us to say, Lord, this is, the, this is the long and the short of it. I am in big trouble. I made a bad decision. I never should have gone down this road. Come on, somebody. Uh, An honest appraisal of what you need and where you are. Because, you see, prayer isn't even about getting God to agree with you. It's about you agreeing with God. And for you to agree with God, you got to first admit where you are and come to terms with the reality of the situation. And so tonight, maybe God just wants you to pray an honest prayer. And say, Lord, this thing that's been going on, this thing that I'm struggling with, this thing that I am uh, wrestling with, is, is this specific thing. If I boil it all down, this is what it is. It's fear. It's unbelief. It's doubt. 
It's shame. It's wanting to get ahead. It's wanting or get revenge. It's me wanting to do it in my own strength. And when you and I come honestly before God, the very natural thing to do next is to be willing to accept God's better approach to solving this problem than the approach that you and I had to begin with. So Jacob has become a more spiritual man. He's not there yet. And we're going to see that in a moment, all right? But I want you to notice, has he come? Has he made some, some progress? Has he made some progress? Come on, you guys are answering like, oh, yeah, Jacob made some progress. But I'm talking about you. Remember, this is, this is my life. This is your life. Have you made some progress? Yes, come on. I mean, when, when we're talking about our progress, an inch is a mile, right? It's like, boy, I've come a long way. God has brought you just like he brought Jacob from a long way off. Now they get to the brook called Jabbok. And Jabbok, the name of the place, literally means emptiness. Llegan al arroyo de Jabok y ese, esa palabra significa vacío. Now this is, this is not insignificant. Esto no es sin significado because the place where Jacob wrestles with God is a place called empty. You and I, if we're going to really see God show up in our life, have to come to that place. As long as we're trying to run with a little bit of our fuel in the tank and a little bit of God's fuel in the tank, that's not going to go very far. God is not glorified in our effort. Our self-effort stinks to God. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy garments, filthy rags. So man's effort to justify himself or to make himself right or to make himself look good before God is completely worthless. God brings a man. He brings a woman that he wants to use, that he wants to shape. He always brings them to a place called empty. He always brings them to a place where I don't have any more in myself to depend upon and we come to full, complete unquestioned dependence upon God. And listen, guys, the sooner we get there, the sooner we can move on. All right? Entre más pronto llegamos a esa realidad, a ese lugar, cuando entendemos, Señor, yo no puedo, yo no tengo la fuerza, no tengo la sabiduría, no tengo la gracia, esto tiene que venir de ti, entonces Dios puede operar. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because he recognized that when I come to the end of myself, God shows up. As long as you're operating in your ability, in what you can do, you're not, you don't need any faith. If I have $100 and I have $99 worth of expenses, I got this, Lord. I don't need any help. But when I have $100 and I have $1,000 worth of expenses... I'm going to be moving in the miracle territory real quick. And guess what? That's where God lives. God lives just shy of 100. He lives just shy of your ability, of your strength. 
And so the sooner I get out of what I can do and I walk into what only he can do, then I'm walking in miracle territory and I can see God's glory and God's power show up in my life. You know why the American church is so, so powerless today? Because we are operating generally only within what we can do. And as long as the American church or any church in the world trusts in itself, it's not going to see great mighty moves of God. And uh, it's only when you and I step out to that place of empty. Because you can never experience God's full until you come to your empty. Usted nunca va a poder experimentar la llenura de Dios hasta que usted llegue al lugar de el vacío. Now, the Bible said that uh, he came to Jabbok and he put his, uh, his wives and children in a safe place, puso a sus hijos y sus esposas en un lugar seguro. And then the scripture says that Jacob was left alone. Uh, so there we see again that emptying. In el verso 24 del capítulo 32, Jacob fue dejado solo. Jacob was left alone in chapter 32, verse 24. And there again, the Holy Spirit's letting us know he's in a place of emptiness and he's alone. He's by himself. And he has just prayed this heart-wrenching prayer before God. Oh God of my father Abraham and my father Isaac. Oh God who gave me all of these promises. I am afraid. Deliver me. Now I want you to notice the contrast again. The last time he met with God, he was asleep. He was having a real comforting vision. Probably drooling on the rock. He was seeing God in all of his glory. And he heard the voice of the Lord, very comforting, very peaceful, saying to him, Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to let you go until I have done all that I have commanded you. But this time, you turn that completely on its on its head. Now God approaches Jacob and he picks a fight with him. I mean, imagine you're at the altar one day and you're just minding your own business and praying and asking God to bless you and to help you and then I come up to you and say, hey, get up. What are you doing in here? That's what God did to Jacob. He's already empty, he's already alone, and he's scared to death, and God comes and picks a fight with him. There's no comfort. There's no soothing, smooth, soft nursery rhymes. Why? Why does God deal with Jacob so differently? I'll tell you why. Because maturity changes how God handles us. You see, when you were a newborn baby, a, a brand new believer, you would show up to the, the parking lot at Walmart and say, Lord, I pray that there will be a parking space right next to the front door. And, and guess what? There was one, right? Every time there was a parking space right next to the front door because you were a infant, immature, and you needed a miracle to move you along. But then you show up in life all of a sudden and you can't find a parking space within five miles of the place you're trying to go. And it seems like God has just opposed everything you're doing. 
And he picks a fight with Jacob because Jacob's not going to get into the promised land until he's dealt with everything that God wants dealt with. You've made it this far, but we're going to have to have a wrestling match, and I'm going to take I'm going to take what's left in you that needs to break, what's left in you that needs to be surrendered, I'm going to take it out of your life. So we realize that God picks a fight with Jacob. Notice that God is the one who started it. Dios es el que comienza este pleito con Jacob. Now let me ask you a question. Is God, is God picking any fights with you right now? Maybe not all of you are here, but some of you might be. Or you just feel like the Lord's shoving you around a little bit. Why does God do that to Jacob? Listen, the flesh cannot enter the promised land. La carne no puede entrar a la tierra prometida. That's what that brook is. It's the boundary line of the promised land. He wants to come into the promised land. He wants to come into the blessing of God, but he can't enjoy that blessing of God until his flesh has come to empty. Until he has come to the place where he realizes the only way to gain victory with God is to be the spiritual man, to walk by faith, to walk in confidence with God. Ahí vemos que la, la Dios impide la entrada de Jacob a la tierra prometida porque él es it tiene que tratar con todo lo de la carne. Anytime the flesh tries to do what God alone can do by the spirit in a man, you will get access denied. It's like, it's like taking a credit card that's been maxed out and running it through. What's it going to say? Declined. The door of the promised land is not going to open. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Decline, decline, decline. Why? Because if God lets the flesh in the promised land, what will the flesh do? The flesh will say, look what I did. I made this happen. I built this house. I built this job. I built this financial standing. I built this family. I bought that car. I made that decision. And the Bible said that the flesh cannot please God. Because the flesh only knows what, what I, 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 I did. And so God will never allow the flesh to possess the, the promised land. Dios no puede dejar que la tierra prometida sea poseída por la carne. You, you take this, this little account of Jacob and his uh, wrestling with God and you, you pull it all the way out to the Exodus and you realize that an entire generation of Israelites died in the desert because they wanted to enter the promised land by the flesh. And God said, access denied. You can't enter the promised land. You can't enjoy the blessings of God in the power of the flesh. The flesh has to come to its place of submission and humility before God. La carne tiene que callar. Tiene que llegar a ese lugar de sujetarse a Dios. Que el hombre espiritual 
pueda ser el que guía, that the spiritual man would be the one who leads. And so the Bible said that Jacob and God wrestled all night long. Now, really, if we think about it, what we're saying is that Jacob wrestled the angel of the Lord. So he wrestled with the Lord Jesus Christ prior to the incarnation. Now, he saw Jesus over in chapter 28, standing above that ladder, very comforting, very peaceful. But now Jesus shows up and gets in his face. What are they fighting about? What are they wrestling over? Well, if you look at the story, you read there, there's a question that the Lord asks Jacob. The, ja the Lord asks Jacob, what's your name? Now remember what Jacob means? Trickster, usurper, heel grabber. And all night long, they're fighting over this because Jacob won't tell God who he is. There's still that part of him that is trying to hold on to his old nature. And God is asking Jacob to confess. Who are you? Who are you really? And until he will confess, he can't be blessed and he can't enter into the promised land. And he's telling the angel of the Lord, he says, bless me uh, uh, be because the day is about to break. He's saying, bless me because my night's about to be over. I've been going through 21 years of night, 21 years of spiritual darkness. Bless me already. And the Lord says, I'm not going to bless you till you tell me who you are, till you confess who you are. Finally, we see that the Bible said that the angel of the Lord recognized that Jacob was not going to budge. So he injured his hip intentionally. Now, I want you to see this, all right? When Jacob walked up on this scene, he was physically standing upright, whole. But spiritually, he's a cripple. Spiritually, he's limping. Because he's still trying to do it Jacob's way. And now the Lord injures him physically. So that spiritually, he can be upright. So that spiritually he can be the man that God requires him to be and has designed for him to be. And the Lord injures him. And upon the breaking, whatever it was that that hip uh, represented to Jacob and whatever it is it represents to us, God will break that thing if it means getting us where we need to go. And you and I have to come to terms with this. I'd rather be a physical cripple than a, and a spiritual whole man than to be spiritually crippled and physically whole. Come on, somebody. I would rather have it right in my spirit because guess what? My spirit's going on into eternity. This natural man had to be broken for Jacob so that his spiritual man could be made whole. And finally, he confesses and he says, I'm Jacob. I'm the trickster. He'll grab. Now, what do we always think that when we tell God who we really are, that he's going to smack us around real good, right? Like, 
What does God do to Jacob? When Jacob acknowledges his nature, he says, God, there's a part of me that's always cunning and deceitful, and there's a part of me that's always trying to gain the upper hand through trickery and deceit and through uh, usurping other people's positions, and he confesses that to God, and God says, no longer will you be Jacob. Now you will be Israel. I'm giving you a new identity. I'm giving you a new name. You're not going to be called trickster anymore. I'm giving you the name Israel, which means prince with God. You're now going to be a man of God. You're going to be a part of God's royal household. You realize what Jesus did when he saved your soul, when he brought you out of darkness? You came to an altar or in your home or in a jail cell, wherever you were, and you gave your life to Christ and you confessed who you were to God. You said, God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm broken. God, I'm messed up. God, I'm an addict. God, I'm hopeless. And when you confess that, God said, no longer will you be a sinner. No longer will you be messed up or brokenless. You will now be called son of the living God. You will now be called redeemed. You'll now be called saved. You'll now be called sanctified. You'll be called just. Come on, somebody. God changed your name. He changed your whole identity. That's why we sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. God has changed my identity. So don't go around, you know, don't go around Carrying the identity of your past. Well, uh, uh, I used to be this, or I used to be that, or I used to think that way, or I used to think that way. Used to be is gone. You are a child of God. Come on, somebody. The blood of Jesus has made you a new man, a new woman. And now Jacob can walk into his future, into his promise into the promised land because his flesh has been emptied and his flesh has been dealt with and he has come into a new purpose, a new identity. Now the Bible tells us that he he meets with Esau and instead of Esau killing him, Esau reconciles with him. Say amen, somebody. Say only God. How many of you have some only God stories? Esau promised to kill him, but when they see each other, they embrace one another, and they weep, and they reconcile. Only God. And if you go to the last verse of chapter 32, That's the last verse of chapter 33. Último verso del capítulo 33, verse 20. The Bible said that Jacob went into the promised land. He came to a place called Sukkoth and then a place called Shechem. And there, in verse 20, it says, He erected there an altar and called it El Eloi Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. Remember what he said over there? If, then you'll be my God. But over here, he realizes he's my God. 
the God of Israel. Don't, don't, think you're, don't think about Israel as a nation right there, because there's no nation yet. It's a man. The man is saying, he's my God. And from now on, when we read in the scriptures, we read the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Israel. Now, isn't that amazing that God will call himself your God? That God would be called the God of Jacob. I mean, you think about it. Of course, he's the God of Abraham. Abraham was the father of the faith. He was the man who believed God, and it was accredited to him for righteousness. Of course, Abraham, a God is Abraham's God, and of course, he's Isaac's God. But what about this rascal Jacob? And there you have him, God, the God of Jacob. This is the conclusion of the matter. God wants to be your personal, real God. Not the God of your history, not the God of your ancestors, not merely the God of your pastor or the elders of the church, the God who you know, who you walk with, the God who you can say, I wrestled with him. And this, this tonight, what I ultimately want to come to, is some of you are wrestling with God. And he's got you in a position where you can't get out. And you've got him in a position where he can't get out. And you've made up in your mind, I'm not going to let go until something changes. Until God blesses me. Until God turns this thing around. And... And listen, guys, every person who wrestles with God by faith in this way always gets peace. You might be in a fight right now, but listen, some people fight with God by not talking to him. Some people fight with God by getting mad at him. Some people fight with God by ignoring him. Other people fight with God by pretending he doesn't exist. But men and women of faith, spiritual men and women, they get a hold on God and they don't stop talking. They don't stop believing. They don't stop praying. They say, God, I'm not going to let you go until this thing changes. Come on, somebody. I, I know. I know that my daybreak is about to come. This night is about over. This season is about to shift. Come on. Is there anybody in here that knows? God, my daybreak is on the verge of happening. I'm not letting you go until this night becomes day, until Esau becomes my brother and my friend, until my rebellious heart becomes uh, submitted to the full will and complete purposes of God. I'm not letting you go. Until you bless me. And can you hear God say to you tonight, what did he tell Jacob when this started? He said, I will not let you go until I have done everything that I said I would do in your life. Jacob's only telling God what God has already told him. Oh, you're not going to let me go? I'm not going to let you go. Does anybody have a good grip tonight? Come on, let's stand together. Let's get a real good grip. I don't know what it is you're wrestling with. 
But maybe God's trying to teach you something through this season that you're going through. Maybe God's trying to show you some things about you, some things about him. Just tell him, Lord, I'm not going to let you go. And I know you're not going to let me go. Come on, let's do some business with God tonight. Pray those kind of prayers like Jacob prayed. Oh, God of my fathers, look how much you've already done. Look how far you've already brought me. I know it wasn't for nothing. I know this has not been for nothing. I know that you didn't bring me out of hell and and out of drugs and out of addiction and out of immorality and out of witchcraft. I know you didn't bring me out of darkness, out of religion, out of bondage. I know you didn't bring me out of all of that just to leave me halfway. I know that you have more for me. And I will not let you go. Because I know you've decided to bless me. I know you've decided to be my my God, my defense, my strength. And I'm going to trust in you. Come on, somebody, get a good grip tonight. Because I can see the sun rising over somebody tonight. I can see seasons changing tonight. Daybreak is about to come. The night's about over. Fight your way through. Wrestle your way through.